The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Empower Radio presents The Miracle of Healing with Lisa Campion. Meet healers, learn different modalities, and hear empowering stories of people on their healing journey. The Miracle of Healing on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Lisa Campion. Hello, I'm Lisa Campion, and this is the Miracle of Healing on Empower Radio, where we come together to discuss all kinds of healing, and this is something the world needs a lot of these days, now more than ever. If you're new to my show, I'm so glad that you're here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you've been listening for a while, welcome back. Wow, what if we could have um, an experience that resets us so much that it totally changes our life? And people that have near-death experiences often say that's what happens. Um, maybe you could visit the other side and bring back information that's enough to give you a total reset on your life. And that's what happened to today's guest. So we have Wendy Williams, and she, back in 1997, experienced two near-death experiences that supplied her with some really crucial pieces of information that help her like change her life in such powerful ways that she's still like living the results and experiencing the results of those like almost 20 years later or more than 20 years later. So we're going to welcome Wendy Rose Williams. She's amazing. And she's been a guest on my show a couple times. And we always have a lot of fun. She's a past life adventure guide. I love that she, um, that you call yourself that Wendy. That's so good. So Wendy helps people from around the world release pain, anxiety, depression, um, through leading them through a really powerful um, healing process um, that she's learned from some of the world's leading authorities on hypnotherapy and past life regression, including Dr. Brian Weiss. And, and I've seen the work that she's done firsthand, and she can really um, bring about intense, powerful change in people at, at the soul level. So welcome so much, Wendy. It's so good to see you here again. Well, thanks, Lisa. I'm thrilled to be here. So, wow. Um, you know, I love, I was just talking about near-death experiences um, too with some of my psychic students because so often it changes um, people's um, psychic ability or really opens them to that too. But I want to hear what happened as much as you're willing to share with uh, what happened to you sure. all those many years ago. So what happened was it was uh, August of 1997 and I was newly pregnant with my youngest daughter. Uh, who's now 23 and finishing up college. And we were just, uh, my husband and I were just thrilled to be pregnant because there had been infertility and there had also been two ectopic pregnancies. Mm. And I also had, we had an 18-month-old toddler. So we were just really over the moon. And I had only had my first uh, OB visit because, of course, it was so early in the pregnancy. It was only 10 weeks pregnant. So everything was looking good with two exceptions. I could not understand this dream, this very vivid dream that just kept recurring. And what would happen in the dream, and this was, had been going on for several weeks, and I was having it almost every night. And that was unusual because I didn't usually remember my dreams. 
But what I would see was just this big storm out at sea, just this very violent storm. And there was a ship in it and all the masts would tear off and all the winches and cleats. It was just all this ripping and tearing. The ship would break in two and it would go down. And I thought, well, what am I supposed to do with that? I didn't understand the concept of precognitive dreams. So it's just, you know, it just just kept happening. And there was nothing I could do about it because I didn't understand it. I didn't know how to meditate at that time. I didn't know how to connect with my guides. So it just was this, this experience. The other thing that was happening was I was having severe heartburn. Mm. It did not make sense to me. Only 10 weeks pregnant. You know, that, that, that baby's like a tiny little peanut. Right. So I was really surprised to be having such heartburn. And I had called the doctor's office several times and they said, oh, it's safe to take my Lanta, take as much my Lanta as you need. Um, But that didn't turn out to be what was going on. So I was working at home. I was working full time, but it happened to be a day I was working in my home office and my husband's at work. He's got one car. Our nanny's at the park with our daughter. So she's got the other car. And I just don't feel right, Lisa. I just cannot focus I cannot be still. I kept like, it's like, oh gosh, I need to lie down on the bed. I need to go in the bathroom. I'm going to be sick. I was just so restless that day. And that went on for about maybe four or five hours. And finally I thought, I've got to go in the bathroom again. Something is wrong. And I went in the bathroom and I felt this incredible pain in my abdomen. I literally looked down thinking, okay, this is crazy, but I feel this sense of impending doom. And I feel like someone just stuck a knife in me. So I'm looking down and I passed out. I I passed out on the floor. Uh, So when I came to, and I only came to because there was this insistent male voice. And he kept saying, Wendy, Wendy, you've got to wake up now. You've got to call for help now or you're going home. And I, I knew what he meant by home. I knew he meant I was going to drop my body and, and, and die. So I opened my eyes. I'm laying in a fetal position on the bathroom floor. And my bathroom was just lit up. I cannot describe how much light was in there. It was the afternoon, but there was only one small bathroom window, but I could see angels and there were four or five of them and they were huge. They were like eight, nine feet tall. And I couldn't see the angels clearly because there was just all these rays of light all around them. And he said, you've got to call for help now. And I said, yes, I understand. You know, thank you for telling me, but I can't, I can't walk. I can't get to the phone. And what he said was very interesting. He said, you just have to be willing to try. If you're willing to try, we can help you. Hmm. So I managed to get up on my hands and knees. And that was all I could. That was all I could do. But it's all I needed to do. Because then it was like being gently lifted. And I felt like I was just flown to the phone, which was not far away. There was the the landline phone. It was, you know, back long enough ago. We didn't have cell phones in our back pocket or glued to our hand all the time. And I was just gently flown to that phone and I'm still on the floor and I'm like, okay, mind blown, mind blown. What just happened? What just happened? But I knew I needed to call. So I called my husband at work 
I didn't even think to call 911. The angel just said, call for help. So I called my husband. He worked five minutes from home. That made perfect sense. But miracles continued right there because I reached him right away at work. I have never reached my husband at work <laughs> like that, you know, right away. And I give him great credit because all I said was, I need you to come home now. I need you to drive me to the hospital immediately. He didn't ask me a single question. All he said was, be right there. And I heard him like throw down the phone. So I just had time to call the OB office, tell them what was happening. I could see my abdomen just distending and distending and getting bigger. And it felt like something had burst. It felt like some sort of organ had given way is the only way I could describe that pain before I, before I passed out. Mm. And they said, great, you know, come right away. We're glad your husband's, you know, going to bring you immediately. Uh, do not walk when you get here. Don't park the car. Just pull up to the entrance. And again, it was perfect. The OBGYN office was located at a hospital. Mm. So they told me they would meet me down there curbside with a wheelchair. And they did. And they then whisked me right up to the physician's office, straight into an ultrasound room, helped me up on the table because I was so just doubled over in pain and get me up on the table. And they, they put the gel on and start to do the ultrasound. And I'm looking at the screen and I'm puzzled because I'd had ultrasounds before. And, you know, you can see things. That's the whole point of it. it it's just like the screen was black. So I actually said to the ultrasonographer, is your machine on? Is your machine working? I, I don't get it. I don't see anything. And she just touched me on the shoulder and she said, I'll be right back with the doctor. Huh. So I'm looking at my husband like, you know, this is that's not, not good. good. <laughs> no. That's not good. I don't understand what's happening, but that's not good. <laughs> so they returned uh, immediately. It was uh, LBGYN physician as well as a certified nurse midwife. So there's now like five of us crowded in this little tiny ultrasound room. And the doctor takes one look at the screen. He tries to adjust it. And he just tells me, we need to admit you to the hospital now because uh, there's some sort of major abdominal bleed going on. And we can't see anything on the screen because there's so much blood loss. And that's why I said, oh, is that why my abdomen is just rising like this? And he said, yes. So they uh, took me up onto the hospital uh, floor immediately, got me up on the, up on the unit and put me in, uh, got me in the bed and said, okay, just lie flat. You can't get out of bed even to go to the bathroom. We need to figure out what's going on. We need to see if this bleeding can resolve on its own because here we are, a miracle of healing. You know, bodies, things can resolve and maybe it was a gallbladder, maybe it's the appendix, you know, maybe it's something non-essential is right. what everyone is, is hoping. And I can hear the nurse. I also noticed that they kindly put me in the room that was next to the nurse's station. So I knew that also meant they were concerned. Worried about you. Yeah. Right, right. I can hear her calling for, for blood. They asked me my blood type. I was like, yes, I know it. Um, it's, it's A negative. Everyone should know their blood type. Um, and I tell them that. And I hear her on the phone. And she's calling the central blood bank because in the Seattle area, a lot of hospitals don't have their own uh, blood supply or have a, a very limited amount of it. We use a central blood bank so that blood is not wasted. 
but she's calling the central blood bank and she's finding out evidently there was a big train collision a few days earlier, which I didn't know about. It was August. Blood supply is always the lowest in the summer too, because um, the students aren't um, available donating and students are this wonderful source of um, blood donations. And so she's finding out they don't have any negative for me. So the doctor's going to be some delay and they don't know how long and she's calling around other places. And the doctor's talking to me about doing surgery and I'm kind of looking at him like, this is just all going too fast. I, I just, I just have to take a breath. I just have to take a breath. I, I'm, I'm not ready for surgery. Um, at this point, we don't know what we're, we don't know what we're operating on. We don't have blood. Uh, etc. And he's like, yeah, I, I agree. I'm just walking through the possibilities with you here. And so I then uh, blood did arrive, whatever amount of time later, and they start transfusing me. And it was so painful, I think, because I was losing so much blood, they must have just had it turned like all the way up. And mm. I can see I'm going through bag after bag at an alarming rate. And they're doing um, blood work once a day, too, just to check hematocrit and other things. And I think it was the third day, because I'm, I'm just, I'm still refusing surgery. I'm like just trying to visualize, okay, this is resolving. I'm going to be fine. Baby's going to be fine. But I'm also blowing through all the pain relievers. I'm now on morphine. Huh. And I can definitely feel myself walking between worlds. I really didn't care about uh, being there, being in a body, it was like so hard to focus. Someone would be talking to me, a nurse or doctors trying to talk to me, make decisions. And I, I'm like passing out. I just, I can't focus or make good decisions. So I think it was the third day that the doctor showed me my hematocrit and showed me how it was sharply going down, down, down. And he said, we, we've absolutely, we need to do surgery, Wendy. I need you to agree to surgery. Um, because you're you're officially bleeding out, we cannot we cannot get blood on board fast enough uh, huh. to sustain life at this point. So we've got to go in and surgically repair whatever is causing this blood loss. So I agreed, um, and we knew that we they were scheduling the surgery and let me know I'd be the very first surgery the next morning. We talked briefly about do I go downtown? Do I get transferred? But I said no. Um, I, I'm happy to stay here. I'd already had two ectopic surgery pregnancies with that physician. And that hospital, my community hospital, was delivering about 5,000 babies a year. Hmm. So that meant they've got a big infrastructure for GYN surgeries too. Hmm. So I was comfortable there and we agreed we we're going to do surgery on we don't know what uh, the next the next day. And I have my dinner that night. You know, it's a hospital. You get your dinner, what, 4.45 <laughs> p.m. And I'm just trying to relax. I'm trying to visualize a good outcome. I'm just trying to get my strength up because I feel flatter than a pancake. And the minute I'm in my room alone, the minute I visualized a good outcome, I popped right out of my body. I left my body and I could feel, I felt so good for the first time in days. And I'm looking back down in the hospital bed 
thinking, oh my gosh, she is whiter than the sheets. And I also had a funny moment because I knew it was me, but I knew it wasn't like the real me or all of me. It was just like this temporary little housing for me. And I did have a funny moment because I'm looking, thinking, oh, my gosh, she looks like a wild woman. Because, of course, I've been in bed for days. There's been like no mirror. There's been no hair brushing. There's been no hair washing. So my hair is just like, you know, looking crazy. And I did have that humorous moment. <laughs> and then I was kind of like, oh, she's fine. <laughs> I, I don't really care. She's fine right there. And I just what I was more interested in, I could see all this light from above just coming in through the ceiling of the hospital room. So I'm like, oh, I'm going up there. I want to explore that. So I float through the ceiling. I'm now outside. I can see the trees. I can see the top of the building. And I'm just going up and up. And then again, I had another humorous thought. I didn't know very much about NDEs at all in 97 but I must have known the, the concept of, of going home to the light through a tunnel. As I remember thinking, oh, please don't make me walk through a long tunnel. I'm too tired. I just can't do it. And the minute I had that thought, this beautiful escalator came in for me. And I just got on this escalator. It was all lit up again. It was perfectly clean. And I could see it going so high up. So I just take that escalator um, up to the top. So questions so far, Lisa, I know I'm rapid firing what? here at you. <laughs> yeah, well, I want to know what happened. Like what, what, when you got there, what was it like? And what, sure. were, the, what were the three things that they told you that changed yes. everything? So what happened when I got to the top of the escalator, they were clearly waiting for me because there was this welcome home party and it was right at the top of the escalator. There were about 20 beings of light, including the angels that had been in my bathroom. I also sensed all four of my grandparents were there, which I thought was super cool because I knew my mom's parents well. Um, and we had actually lived with them and just spent a lot of time with them. But my dad's parents, I'd never met because they, they, they had passed on. They died before I was born. But to see everyone and everyone looked exactly the same except the angels were bigger and they had more light but everyone was exactly the same this big white like a beach ball of light mm. with like this beautiful like little lightning storm of all this energy within it and then it was just like a little bit thicker around the edges like just containing it everyone looked the same but I knew exactly who they were hmm. um, so they give me this big group hug. I have never felt anything like it in my life because there were so many of them and it was unconditional love. And we don't get that very often on mm -hmm. earth. No. Uh, love, unfortunately, it's, it's more often conditional. I would say children under two and golden retrievers. <laughs> there you go. That would have yeah. been my analogy too, is when you first hold that newborn in your arms and look at that newborn, I think maybe that's the best we can, we can do with that total, just your heart like breaking open in this unconditional love. So multiply that by like 20 of them giving me that plus the white light of home just all radiating into me. I could have stayed there forever, right in that embrace. 
So uh, the same male angel, I'll call him the spokesperson uh, that had been in my bathroom, he started talking to me and he said, welcome home. We're so glad you're here. You haven't done anything wrong. You're absolutely welcome to stay, but you do have a choice and you're going to need to make that choice quickly uh, because you're, you're only going to be able to go back to that body for so long. So what I want you to know is if you choose to go back, you will have a successful surgery tomorrow. You will fully recover. That's point one. Point two is your baby will be born healthy. That was huge to know mm. those two things. Yeah. I was so, so grateful for that. And then the third thing he said was, you also need to know your life is going to be very difficult. And I expect mm. that will be true for many years because you're not on your life path. You're not living your purpose. Wow. So that really did he, did he tell me. you what your purpose was? Of course, immediately anyone would ask that question. So I was 36 years old and that really concerned me. And I looked at him and said, oh my goodness, please tell me what is it? What do I need to do? What am I not doing? What do I need to change? Uh, I really want to live my purpose. That's so important to me. And he just gently shook his head. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Okay, no more information from him. So I'm looking around at all the others, Lisa, because I'm thinking, oh, come on, someone else has got to give. <laughs> you know, I'm looking all around. And they just got really playful. They were, like, putting duct tape over their mouths. They were, like, locking the key and throwing the key away. And I'm like, oh, okay, they're mm -hmm. serious. I'm not going to get any more information. I have to figure that out for myself. That, right. that's, that's part of my path is to figure that out. So he asked me again and said, what do you want to do? You need to choose right now. And the minute he asked me that, all I could see was my toddler's face. Hmm. And she was adorable. Of course, every parent sees that. But that just like totally filled like this huge screen of all I could see and all I could sense. And I also thought about, I'm so fortunate to know I'm going to recover fully from this surgery and I'm going to have another baby. So I looked at the angel and said, I'm going back for my children. I want to go back. And he said, you know, great, wonderful. And everyone, they're like doing a party and they're all giving me another big hug as a send off. And the second time I got that hug, I realized it wasn't just unconditional love. They were doing this huge energy download. And I think I would have survived that surgery otherwise or had a great outcome without that angelic intervention. Wow. It was just so powerful. So they do that and then they just spin me around. Um, and I literally had never gone more than one step at home when the escalator had always stayed there. And they just gently spin me around and put me back on the escalator. And I'm like looking over my shoulder a little bit and they're like jumping up and down and like, you know, cheering me on and going, you can do it. <laughs> I'm just waving and I just go back down. And I just go float into the room and I see my body and I just float into it really gently. And I didn't question the experience. I knew it was more real than real. And I knew it was just 
1000% valid. I didn't need anyone else to witness it. And I then didn't talk about it for over 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, because it just it just took um, a lot of time to assimilate and to be right. able to verbalize it. Mm-hmm. We um, only have a few minutes left, um, Wendy, but I want to know, like, if you could sort of like sum that up in, as a like a takeaway, like what was sure. your takeaway really from that the, experience? The takeaway for me, I had never understood and I'd like everyone to understand we are so loved and so supported And yet we get down here and we have such amnesia, we don't remember that. So Mm -hmm. just ask, because we've got our free will and angels and guides, they cannot interfere or intervene. If we're just stumbling through life and don't ask our higher self, our own soul, to share that wisdom with us. And if we don't ask our guides for help, they will not intervene unless it's an emergency like I got into. And even then right. the angel said, you have, you have to be willing to, right. to try. Yes, you have to engage your free will. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So just know that that's absolutely there for you and know that yes, it can take some effort to figure out our life path, but we absolutely can figure it out. I feel our life path, our purpose, it can be so uh, basic, so big that we just totally miss it. You really can express it in like two to seven words. It might be as simple and as profound as be love mm-hmm. or be yeah. the most fantastic parent you can be. Right. You know, just something, be peace, emanate peace, you know, what, whatever. And we just overlook things because we think it's like, you know, we think it's a job related. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Mm, exactly. Exactly. It's more like a state of being or like a, a level of consciousness, really. Yes, exactly. So, so Wendy, so, if people want to read more about your story or find out more about how to work with you, how how do we get in touch with you? Uh, please go to my website, which is my full name, wendyrosewilliams.com. And I'd be happy to uh, to offer a complimentary 15 minute phone appointment to anyone and just see, can I help you shift Uh, some Mm -hmm. of those energies and bring in more of the higher vibration energies and help you get on your path and release any pain, release any depression or anxiety, help uh, release that stuck energy. Uh, So, And you have a book too, right? That um, I do. I'm actually uh, completing my third book. And I also have two short stories published that are in collections. So. Right. Regression healing. And it's just a great book. I've, I've read this book and it's really these incredible stories about um, the healings that you've done that and, and what you've uncovered, um, the sort of soul stories of people that you've uncovered and how, where they've been, where they're stuck now, how can one entangle that and then where we get to in the end of that. It's a really great book. It's, it's a really fun read. Well, likewise, Lisa, thank you. I really appreciate that. And I hope all your listeners have read your books because they're fantastic. I've read all yours too. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. Well, so nice um, having you here today, Wendy Rose Williams, and to hear your incredible story. It's so beautiful and hopeful. And, um, and I'm, I'm just, I hope that there's, that that touches people in the same way that it touched me. So thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for having me here, Lisa. And thanks for all of you guys for joining us here today on the Miracle of Healing. If you want to find out more about me, you can find me at my website, lisacampion.com. And come over there and check me out uh, and, um, and see what I've got going on. Lots of stuff for psychics and healers and empaths. 
Uh, so yeah, thanks for continuing the journey with us all here at where we are healing the planet one person at a time right here on Empower Radio. I'm Victoria Moran. Since we launched the Main Street Vegan podcast back in 2012, lots more people have discovered the way that moving in a vegan direction can infuse our lives with vitality, spirituality, and compassion. My guests are experts on every aspect of making this work in your real life and our real world. Join us for Main Street Vegan here on mindbodyspirit.fm.